0: Welcome to the Business Marketing Agency podcast with Barbara Griffin, regular tips and tricks for business owners who want to market their business online. Hi everybody, Barbara Griffin here from the Business Marketing Agency and today I'm really quite excited because I've actually managed to grab... James Taramco for a chat today. And um, James is a very special person to me because basically I wouldn't be in this industry if it wasn't for him. He pretty much taught me everything I know. He's a global internet marketing guru. He has an SEO firm. He's an expert traffic strategist. He speaks at international events. And, um, but more than that, he actually specializes in business growth. He's a systems guy. He's so much more. He's the number one podcaster. James, um, thanks so much for having this chat with me today.
1: I hope I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> that was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. No, you totally can. You know, I mean, I've been pretty much learning from you for probably four years now.
1: Oh, we've well, really implemented a lot of the things we've talked about and you've done very well for yourself. So it's exciting to see that it's such a vast area and no one can be a master of all of it. But uh, this sounds like we're going to have a fun chat today.
0: Yeah, look, the topic I wanted to talk about because I've been feeling a bit ranty lately is the client from hell, just because I thought it would be kind of fun. But just just before that, we both basically have an online marketing agency. Would you call that what you do that really?
1: I think in my case, I'm more of a vendor. So I tend to be a wholesale supplier to more agency type businesses. And I'd say an agency is more Uh, business to customer. So I do have a handful of end users who I work with, but at the higher agency rates, but most of my customer base are sort of vendor, wholesale, business to business supply.
0: Yeah. So you actually don't really deal with the business. You deal with the agency that manages the business's marketing.
1: I've pretty much got myself one layer back from customers from hell. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I mean, when you take on that frontline position, you really have to have a lot of energy and patience and uh, you sometimes have to bite your tongue and deal with all this customer is always right stuff. And frankly, I'm at a point in my business where I've sort of don't have as much patience as I used to have. I used to sell for a living face to face. And for years and years, I put up with that front line stuff. And I'm I'm now actually enjoying being a layer back. But we still occasionally have a customer from hell in our wholesale division, you know, because we still have customers. I've got hundreds and hundreds of customers. And I do have some business. And I'm one of them. Yeah, I mean, you're a customer. And I've got hundreds of customers like you who are buying some kind of traffic service or business coaching or website development and... You know, you're going to get a percentage. A percentage of your customers are going to be crazy and then there'll be a percentage who are just amazing and incredible and then there'll be the vast majority who are just sort of normal.
0: Yeah. You know, have you ever found that a client started out good but then turned bad and do you think there's any sort of, um, any way that you can tell that a client's going to be bad right from the beginning or is it just stuff, stuff that happens, do you reckon?
1: The things that will make a client bad if if they change, it's usually Uh, got to do with their situation. A lot of the time when you're dealing with bullshit, it's because, and I don't know if we can swear on your podcast, but a lot of the time you've got this stuff coming through because they're under pressure and quite often it's because they are incompetent or disorganized or had not communicated very well with whoever the stakeholders are in whatever project they've taken on. And you can do a lot to filter from having bad customers. Usually, but not always. A crazy customer is going to signal it really early on in the cycle, like before they even become a customer. They might be asking weirdo questions. They might have a hostile attitude. For us, that is a red flag. And we.
0: Yeah, or wanting to have heaps of Skypes before they yeah, buy anything. Yeah, I'm like, and what's that, like that
1: all about? That literally you get a chance to train your customers before they buy. And if they can't comply to the filtering or the training prior, then they may not be the right customer for your business because those squeaky wheels they really do mess with the machine. And rather than put oil on the squeaky wheel, I prefer to just eliminate it or replace it.
0: hmm Um, you helped me with something recently that we we decided that um, I had a client that we were doing really good work for until um, you know we had a great conversion rate of I think sixteen percent on AdWords, and then one day they cancelled. And um, that sort of had coincided with uh, their PPC funding running out. And we decided that perhaps that client wasn't really levelling with me, that there was something else going on that they maybe didn't want to disclose. But So the reason that they became a bad client and cancelled or didn't pay was actually possibly they had difficulties. Yeah, they weren't levelling.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's almost always about them. I mean, I went into a shop yesterday and the guy before me at the counter threw his money down at the shopkeeper and he was obviously drunk. And the shopkeeper said, hey, you know, don't throw your money down like that. And the guy said, what's it to you? What's your problem? And he goes, it's rude. You know, don't throw your money at me. And they had a bit of a tiff and then the the drunk guy took his things and walked out. And I said to the shopkeeper, It's not about you. He doesn't even know you. He doesn't care about you. He's drunk. It's about him. It's his problem not yours. So don't take it to heart. And that's really what most bad customers, unless you've deliberately or accidentally done something to really rev them up. And look, we all make mistakes. And sometimes we just have to fess up and say, well, I'll take full responsibility for this. I've been a poor communicator or we messed up. Sorry about that. Let's make it right. I mean, there are those scenarios. But if you do get a fruitcake customer and we assume that you're going to get the occasional one, remember that it's mostly about them and you may or may not want to delve into the reasons why, but sometimes, I mean, I have had some absolutely psychomaniac, abusive, screaming, crazy <laughs> people and I know that it's nothing to do with us. They're just mm-hmm. at a bad place at the moment and the, and we're just the current target and, you know, you get bullies, you get uh, people who are having severe financial trauma and your service is like the make or break. And if it doesn't work yep. out, they're going to make it your problem because they'd have no other options. They have, they're basically in a compromised situation and they will try and take you down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of a sobering thought. Look, I learned a lot from you about, um, you know, in the beginning when I used to get my clients, often from a web development job first, like they wanted a site built or they wanted some website maintenance, I used to do what I thought the rest of the world did, which is, you know, do the work and then invoice the client. And sometimes they would be very slow to pay and that would cause me to have sort of cash flow difficulties because I'd already paid my staff. And um, I actually started invoicing 50% up front and now sometimes 100% up front. And boy, has that made a difference.
1: Well, you've transferred the risk, really, because once the customer has their stuff, there's not as much motivation for them to pay you. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've actually flip-flopped that. You've yeah. gone from being paid late after already paying your team, so you were cash flow negative, mm-hmm. to cash flow positive, where you get paid first and then you pay the team. You can actually sit on that money and do something with it in the in that period. So in my case, we get paid up front. And my team get paid twice a month, so I've actually always got more cash than what we have to pay out. And if you, hopefully, doing business with a profit, it can continue to grow, and you can be self-funded from day one if you take that cash flow positive approach.
0: Yeah, totally. I also wanted to talk about um, terms and conditions. I am um, I'm a freedom fighter, and I don't really like contracts or terms and conditions. And I wanted to be that kind of new age girl for my clients as well. But through a few naughty clients, I found that I had to have terms and conditions and I've now introduced them. Now, did you always have those? Do you think they're really important?
1: I'm more interested in uh, protecting the livelihood of myself and my family. So, you know, with six people that I'm responsible for, I don't want to have to sell my car because some maniac sued me because we did nothing wrong. I mean, did you yeah. know there's actually people out there who deliberately go out and try and engage in deals with the full intention of manipulating you into some legal case so that you can get a pay. I payoff.
0: seriously didn't know, that. I didn't you know are,
1: that. You know, like when you go to the bank and they put the money behind, you know, in a vault And they have bars Mm -hmm. and there's locks on the door. That's not for you. It's not for me. It's for the guys that come in with balaclavas and crowbars. I mean, there are people out there who will take advantage and manipulate Mm. and have different ethics or morals to what we might have. So... It's not It's not for every customer. However, I do have terms and conditions and I do have business insurance and I do have proper legal structures in place so that should yeah. I get a maniac that I can tell them to go get
0: <laughs>
1: and at the end of the day, there's not much they can do about it. And I'm not compromised rather than having to bend over backwards and suck it all up and feel like my soul is being stripped out of me piece by piece, which is the way it used to be when I worked for someone else for a big brand like Mercedes Benz. It was really Mm. rare that I could really say what I thought when someone was doing us over. And when I say do us over, I mean people would come in at the last minute and place an order and then spend the next week shopping around to get a better deal and then they would cancel or void their contract and demand their money back and they were being all difficult about it. And you'd done nothing wrong. All you did mm-hmm. was show these people the product and serve them and offer them tea and coffee and drive them around in four different vehicles and sign up the contract. And then they wanted to go and be assholes about it and shop around and get better deals and then and make it your problem. And, you know, so I've built up a bit of resistance. And you couldn't really say what you think. To those people. But I did have this mentor once and he did tell them what he thought. And it was just such an empowering moment where I'm like, oh, I need to have my own business. Because when push comes to shove, I want to be able to tell someone that I don't think it's fair and I don't think it's right. And I want to be able to put forward my position on it. And as a consequence, we have around about just under 1% refunds across all of our products and services. We don't offer Risk reversal, like other people, Mm we we don't give people. We don't say, "Oh, look, just test drive, and if you don't absolutely love it, then just ask for your money back." We we're not interested in that. It's like, hey, we'll give you trials, or we'll show you how it works, or here's all the, the results we get, or you can speak to these people about it, but only order if you know that that's what you want. And we've found that that approach has worked really well.
0: Yeah, look, you sound like you learned a lot about these you know, clients from hell when you were at Mercedes, did you sort of bring that knowledge into your uh, online marketing business so that you already had that set up from the word go, or did you learn more about clients, bad clients during that second Business. No, I've,
1: I've been learning my entire life. And I mean, yeah. even when I was 20 years old or 19, I worked for my grandfather as a timber broker in his backyard on the telephones and people would buy, buy timber from us and we would find them the best deal and then order it and we would get a percentage commission. But then I noticed builders would sometimes try and wiggle out of the deal or order from us and then order somewhere else and then cancel our order when it arrived. Truck, I mean, mm-hmm. crazy stuff. Or they'd try and trick us. So they'd order a massive quantity, like enough to build a small building. And then they would get the first delivery, enough to just sort of build a little uh, cubby house. And then they'd cancel the rest of the order. And the whole time, they only intended to build a cubby house, but they wanted the rates that you get for building a massive building on the timber. And it was, they were trying to trick us. So I've been aware of the way that people play games and it's also called ducks and drakes and I'm aware of some Mm -hmm. of the things you can do to prevent that happening. So getting paid up front is awesome. Definitely. Having clear terms and conditions is awesome. Yeah. Having filters in place like uh, over the top, customer who's giving you attitude before they buy, that's the best time to say, you know what? We're not the right company for you. Uh, We recommend you go and check out blah, blah, blah. And so people shouldn't even be able to buy from you if they're not the right customer from you. You should clearly say who you are not for and you won't attract the worst type of customer, especially if you're asking for money up front. If you say, this project's going to be $10,000, I'll just send over an invoice now. Who would you like me to invoice? And they're like, hang on, well, don't we get to pay afterwards? I say, no, actually, mm-hmm. you get to pay first. And that way, our prices are lower. If you got to pay after, we'd probably be charging $15,000 because some people wouldn't want to pay or they'd be slow to pay. So, we'd have to build in debt collection and uh, we'd have to write off some of our fees and of course our contractors uh you know wouldn't be able to get such good contractors because they're not you know they're not going to get paid quickly and stuff so uh yeah that's mm-hmm. how it works and
0: look I, yeah i totally agree and i think that um if you're a new business and you kind of feel grateful about the first few clients that you've got you don't really have the confidence to 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 be like that but after a while once you do get confidence in what you're doing you feel much more like normal about saying to clients okay great i'm going to send you the invoice to get started and when that's paid we can have another chat or however however you do it i think that 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 comes with time and it doesn't take long
1: yeah and i think that some customers are actually feeling comfortable about your confidence when you ask for payment yeah. up front i mean if you can choose then surely you must be good
0: yeah now um i was just, i just had a question for you that oh this is the sort of thing that i'd ask you in our business coaching Sessions, but I thought I may as well ask you on this podcast. So someone else can find it useful. You, you've got terms and conditions that you like clients to agree to before they do business with you, and for you, it's often a checkbox that they fill in online before they pay. But how do you get? How would you recommend that people like me would get clients to agree to terms and conditions if the sale is made offline, like with an invoice? Uh,
1: well, you can actually use online. Document agreement services where they where they have to tick or sign to say they approve the terms and conditions. Oh
0: yeah, that's a good idea. I did that
1: with so when I bought some uh, training videos, I did a license, and they sent me an online contract that uh, I had to agree to the terms and conditions of how I'm going to use the license, and then then I was able to pay for it. But generally, uh, you know, even in a minimum. minimum you could send them an email saying, look, we do have some terms and conditions that you need to be aware of before we proceed. I need you to read these and then just reply back and tell me that you've read them and that you understand them and it's okay to proceed. And only when you get the receipt back can you move forward and possibly a printout of that email could be some kind of evidence or proof that there was a process in place. What you really want to avoid is a verbal agreement or verbal contract because they're pretty flimsy to to take anywhere, and you can rest assured the guy that says, "Listen, I don't need a contract; I can do deals on a handshake or whatever." They're usually the ones that are going to screw you over the hardest.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, I had a situation where I was dealing with a client, and then there was a middleman. In fact, I've had this happen to me twice. Once when I was originally dealing with the general manager, which was fantastic, then the general manager got headhunted, and I got shunted over to a marketing manager who didn't really know what time it was and with another client they got busy and introduced someone in the middle to sort of deal with me inverted commas and both of those times it was a bit of a nightmare and I found it was because the middle person wasn't really the decision maker in the same way and also because they were more ignorant than they'd like to let on
1: Yep. So one of the questions I ask on our write-up sheet, which is a a sales template, is who's the decision maker for this purchase? And I don't want to be dealing with, with, I have this great expression a a customer taught me once. He said, you want to deal with the butcher, not the block. You really want to only be dealing with the decision maker. Yeah.
0: What what say the butcher's appointed the block to deal with me? And how do I kind of uh, tell them that's not really working for me? Or or what what would you be... What would be your advice?
1: Well, you could say that's not what we agreed to. Uh, you were the decision maker when we went into this agreement. If you want to change the agreement, then we could review it, but it will be a revised costing as well to take into account all this slack that's going back and forth because the guy appointed. Yeah. pointed... Uh, To deal with us has no idea what they're doing, and that's very frustrating for us. In fact, you may not even qualify to be a customer anymore. And I've sacked customers before for dicking me around, for pushing me onto someone who's not useful, and I won't deal with it.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of almost but not quite at that point.
1: <laughs> well, the problem is for a lot of people, they need the customer and they, they'll say, oh, James, but I need the money. I need this customer. Well, that's because you're building a business that's too dependent on only one or two customers. My advice would be to get many customers so that you can afford to let them go. And here's yeah. the thing. You might be listening to me saying, oh, God, I'd love to do that. Or you might be thinking, oh, I'd hate to deal with you. But it, the point is it doesn't matter. The people who I am dealing with are getting incredible service and value because they're the right people with the right product and they they fit the customer matrix that we are best serve. Yeah. And if they don't fit, we shouldn't be dealing with them. And there's a couple of customers who I'm not right for and I'll tell them straight up, you know, I'm not the right person for you. I think you need someone who's going to be more... Uh, like for example, the one that wants to talk and talk <laughs> and talk, yeah. and I just want to say, shut up! Like I get it. Like we had it. I sent the first sentence. We got the point. <laughs> like we don't need to talk about it for seven hours to make the same point sixteen different ways. So I have a short patience for that, and that's why I've deliberately targeted a wholesale market instead of a retail customer.
0: There's that eighty twenty rule. It's a bit. Um, I've never experienced. I've I've lived that eighty twenty rule. Once I had 10 or 20 customers, I could really tell who was the 20% that was taking me, taking up 80% of my time. Drop them. And who would, yeah. Just
1: drop them. And it, and I did that at the beginning of this year, actually. I was looking at my stats and I noticed that the bottom 40% of my customers generated 2% of my revenue. Wow. And I'm like, screw that. So I stopped selling cheap front-end products. I, I dropped my 29, 59 products altogether. It's basically, you can have as many free podcasts as you want. You can have a free video every day on superfastbusiness.com. But if you want to buy something, it's $79 or a hundred and something dollars and it's recurring. And now, just a few months later, My bottom 40% of customers generate 6% of my revenue, and they've already bought in the first few months of 2013 the same as what they bought for the whole of 2012 in actual dollars. So my whole business lifts up by letting go of those front end cheap product customers.
0: So, how did you actually let go of those customers? Did you just remove your cheap products, or did you?
1: There was no option to buy them anymore. Yeah. So they're either, okay, well, I'll just stick with the free stuff or I'll step it up and go for the next value up. And obviously, a lot of people went up, they went up to the next value product where they get all my products for $79. And it was a win for me and a win for them. They're getting much better value than spending $39 on one product. They're now getting like 20 or 30 products for $79. So I'm helping them make a better choice. And at the same time, I'm ending up with a way better customer. And so that's price filtering.
0: Yeah, look, you know, before we kind of uh, move on from the old client from hell uh, topic, I just wanted to say that, look, I've learned so much from my clients from hell. My good clients and my bad clients is what has made me have put systems in place fine-tune my terms and conditions, um, get confidence enough to to deal with people and say, look, that's not acceptable, we're going to change this. And I think it is actually valuable learning.
1: Oh, totally. And a lot of the times your customers from hell, I mean, they're like um – alpha testers. They're the ones that will show you every single flaw in your business. And if they're right, it's important that you embrace it and make the changes. I consider them the ones that help you set the bar. Because if you can set the bar on your worst customer, then every other customer is going to think it's amazing. And I had customers from hell when I was selling Mercedes-Benz. And if I could satisfy them, then the rest of it was easy. You know, if if I could put in a new process that satisfied the biggest whinger, because I didn't have a choice back then. I couldn't fire my customers. Yeah. And uh, and especially when I was shooting for awards, like top salesperson in the country, there's no way I was going to deny myself a sale because of the valuable points. So I embraced these crazy lunatics and then I reset my bar for those people. And then the rest of the people thought I was incredible.
0: Yeah, because look, in the end... What I, the point that I want to make about this is that we are running our own businesses and clients will treat you like you allow them to treat you. You are responsible for your own reality. It's your business. You make the rules. If you don't like a client, change it, change your terms, change the way you deal with them, and you do have the choice.
1: Oh, exactly right.
0: Yeah, and, you know, don't be a win. Don't. Um, we're, we're not here to like whinge about clients from hell. We're just here to kind of discuss how you deal with them when you get them.
1: Well, that's it. Like the whole point is don't complain about it. Do something. Yeah. I logged in in the beginning of the year, I logged into my business coaching and I found the people who were not participating and I unsubscribed them. <laughs> I sent them an email and said, hey, just letting you know, I don't think you're getting great value from this. So I'm just uh, giving you a holiday from it. And if you want to come back later, let me know. But for now, I've unsubscribed you. And They really respected me for that because I don't want someone buying my stuff if they don't use it and if they don't get value from it because it's going to ruin my track record. Are
0: you talking about Silver Circle? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that you did that.
1: (laughs) I do. If people aren't active, I let them loose.
0: I'm going to give a big plug for Silver Circle later because it's actually what this all sort of hinges on. But before we do that, I I want to ask you about joint ventures from hell because you know you've been in quite a few joint ventures I've done a couple actually quite a few actually and um, I just wanted to know what, what's your kind of pearls of advice about getting into them why why you would want to get into them and do you do an exit strategy first and you know and basically how do you evaluate whether a JV is a good idea in the first place
1: Okay, so basically, my thoughts on this are it's almost never a good idea to do a JV. Wow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Secondly, um, most partnerships end up as sinking ships. Mm. Thirdly, the biggest risk is not if it goes badly, but if it goes too well, because that's when it gets greedy and uh, difficult. And, you know, when there's actually a reward or money up for grabs, then that's when people show their true character not when it's like there's no money and it just fails. Usually they fail because everyone thinks the other person's going to do all the work and they're secretly just lonely and they want someone to hold their hand and do all the work for them. That's usually the built-in default setting. Definitely. Secondly, um, if it goes really, really well, you've got to be well-matched because otherwise unless you're moving at the same pace, it gets lopsided and anything out of balance does not last. So I've learned so much about this. Absolutely do the exit before you go into it. Mm-hmm. So, I think the only joint venture that I've got now in my entire life is uh, podcasts. And that is – the reason I do that is where I can't replicate it by myself. I've already got my own podcast on superfastbusiness.com. Mm-hmm. And And I also had internet marketing speed, but I've got two other ones. I've got Freedom Ocean, and I've got Think Act Get. And with both of those, my co-host brings something to the show that I can't bring.
0: Yeah, look,
1: like Ezra, for example, he's crazy. He's (laughs) completely out there, totally radical hippie e-commerce specialist. I'm not an e-commerce guy. I'm not a hippie. I don't eat twenty-five bananas in a day. I, you know, like he's just off the Richter scale compared to me and he brings something to the show he brings some magic
0: yeah so let's just talk quickly about your two memberships you have a lower priced membership which is fastwebformula yep. um that i'm a member of but i forget to log in because i'm also a member of your <laughs> higher priced higher priced membership which has weekly coaching yep. and so can you maybe explain to people the differences between those two memberships sites
1: yeah well fastwebformula.com is uh, there's hundreds of people in there it's like 600 people. They uh, range in experience and it's sort of an intermediate, early intermediate, late intermediate, advanced. Really good, you know, people like Ezra in there, multimillionaires in their posting. So it's high quality, really good internet business community. The next one up is Silver Circle. That's for uh, six figure businesses plus. Like so you have to be making 10 grand a month before you even qualify because I can help someone who's making 10 grand a month or more a lot more, a lot faster and it's bringing together, there's about 30 odd people, 30 to 40 people in that group who are really motivated and kicking butt and they get on a call every week and we're accountable and they can answer any question they want and we move together, we grow together. Even me, I post every day what I'm up to and it's inspiring to see what people are doing professionally and personally but it's it can be lonely being an entrepreneur and, yeah. there's, you know, sometimes you talk to just normal family or friends and they just look at you like yeah, you've got seven heads. So, yeah, it's totally. good to be in a place where people get it and they relate to it and they're, they're on the same page. So, that's what that's all about.
0: And also, what I like about it, James mentioned he's got 30, 40 people, but... The calls are split into three, so on any one call you might sort of have eight to ten people, and there's this amazing software that allows everybody. It's like a group video conference. You see everybody's faces, and it's really awesome. There's people from all over the world, and it's um, it's just great. But I also wanted to mention one of the best, um, the best value for price of entry for your Fast Web Formula um, membership is that you do a regular Sydney meetup.
1: Yeah, every single month we go to, in most most places actually where there's members, they meet um, usually monthly and that is pretty cool. Like I go to those, I think I end, end up going there from like 7 o'clock to midnight and for five hours straight I, <laughs> I'll answer every single question people throw at me and I visit Different places. If I'm going anywhere in the world, I'll find a local meetup and go to it. But it's member driven, yeah. and that's what's cool about it. Members organize it. It's at local.
0: I have a feeling that um, I organized one of the very first member meetups, and it was your
1: idea. You started. Yeah. It. You started the whole thing.
0: Me and Me and um, Colleen Stalford started. You it. did.
1: You started it, and I.
0: And when you when you came along, we were like so stoked.
1: <laughs> well, I added this section to the community, and it just yeah took off from there, and it's been going for oh maybe four years now.
0: Yeah, and I'm one of the people that's been sitting there at midnight like hanging off every word and asking you about this. And you get stuff from James that, you know, you wouldn't get on a podcast or even in the Silver Circle if you go to those local meetups.
1: Yeah, they are are (laughs) fun. So, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's cool. The thing, like you said, it's amazing that there's people all around the world with a similar thing, and they and when they come together, it's really cool because you just you can't really talk about this at any level with normal people. I classify normal people as the non-internet people who don't really understand this language. It's like a new language.
0: Yeah. Look, um, I'd really like to talk just about what you do for people as a business growth specialist. Is that the good term that you like to call yourself, what you do in Silver Circle?
1: I guess so. Um, I just help people to make things a bit simpler for themselves and just to know what they should be focusing on. And um, for everyone, it's different. It's quite customised. So I have a...
0: It's not really like business coach, though. It's a little bit, uh, how, how how can you describe the difference between how you work with people and what the average business coach, and there's many of them out there, would do?
1: It's a hard one. I mean, I haven't really worked with a business coach before, so I know a lot of them are grabbing like a Brad Sugar's Action Coaching book and just sort of working through the chapters. But I've got a, a vast array of experience in the last 20 years and uh, I've consumed a lot of information. I've applied a lot. I've had a lot of successes in my own business, especially in the internet field. Yeah. and. I, I'm also able to quickly identify where people can get wins. I've studied under people like Jay Abraham and um, all the business greats like Peter Drucker and um, Eli Goldratt. Like I really get those strategic things and I can move into to where someone's at. And I do a diagnostic. So firstly, they have to qualify to get in. And if they get in, then it means that I feel that I can help them. Phew, I got and, in.
0: Yay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And, we do a diagnostic to look for holes and gaps in the business and we just go through all of the fundamentals like cash flow and strategy and systems and people. And uh, Because I've got my own team, because I've got my own businesses I, and because I've run large businesses up to $100 million a year in sales, I, I've seen a lot of these things before. So I can help people instead of them having to figure it out the hard way or the slow way or the long way. And then there's still this mastermind factor where they can mix with other members who might be able to help them. And I'm a good Connect us so I can.
0: Which is absolutely invaluable. It
1: is. We have some amazing people in this group. So um if, if I know anyone in the world who's going to help someone in my group, I will connect them up. I'll send an email introduction, whether it's applying for an export marketing grant, whether it's uh, hooking them up with the right person to run Facebook advertising, or if it's, you know, it could be on any topic. If I know someone, I'll connect them up and then they're on their own. So it's, it's like access to the Rolodex as well. And I do travel around the world meeting interesting people. It's, it's part of my research. Yeah.
0: Look, um, in case you haven't figured this out, James is one of the smartest people I've ever met. And um, there's something that somebody told me once. And I don't know if it was your sister or who it was, but that you were a teenage sailing champion. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: So I, I've, I've got this. I've always, ever since I got that little factoid, I've kind of had this impression of you as being you've been a winner from from day one. It's like programmed into you from your youth. And you know, when you're at Mercedes, you were the number one sales guy, and you ended up running the whole company. You've just got that built into you, and you kind of won't rest until everybody that's learning from you also is number one in what they're doing. Would you say that's kind of yeah? Well,
1: from from running a sales thing? team, I mean, my job for a number of years, maybe a decade, was to hire, train, and uh, foster these salespeople to be winners. So not only do I like to win. I had people under my care who it was my responsibility to make sure they were the best salespeople they could be. So if someone is taking on my membership, then I do feel obligated. It's my duty to help them succeed. I want to have a 100% success rate. And if they do what I tell them to do, and if they are really determined to get it, then they will succeed. And that's it's just a no-brainer for them and it's really satisfying for me. I get a lot of satisfaction when someone goes out there and does something really cool because I believe that entrepreneurs are adding value, like they're creating things, they're making podcasts, they're making content, they're creating solutions for problems that makes the world a better place. So I, I feel good yeah. about that stuff.
0: Look, absolutely. Like even my first... Um, mailing list business that i had in 2003 to 2007 i was um, paying five different people 75 grand a year so i was creating jobs even though it was a virtual online thing
1: yeah and i like i'm probably paying for a whole village in the philippines (laughs) in my my pay my salary is uh you know it's getting up there, it, it's not far off seven figures a year in wages that I pay and I can feel really good about the impact that that has on the lives of the people that I employ and, of course, all of our hundreds of customers who we help with doing various things, we're making their lives mm-hmm. better as well. So, I think that it's a worthwhile thing to do. I think it's, um, it's fun and it's, it's challenging and it's exciting.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the things that, you know, it's ironic because you're one of the top salesmen ever. But what the way that you teach sales is that sales should be undetectable, which I particularly love. It's so cool if sales are undetectable and you're just really telling people, look, this is what we do. This is how it can help you. And this is how you get started, which is sales. But I don't know, the way that you do it, it doesn't seem like you're being sold to. It makes the person feel like they're deciding to... Do business with you
1: yeah well that's ideal if the customer's the one that decides to buy then that's been done well so I, I think uh i I'd probably draw from neil rackham from spin selling but sale is that process of change from one situation to a better alternative situation so if you can help someone see that they'll be better off for making the change then a sale will be the result of that so it's not forceful it's not aggressive it's not pushy it's not 27 tricky closes that you can tie someone down with mm-hmm. and, you know i repel and reject all that manipulative hocus pocus mumbo jumbo 1980s sales crap it's just about helping people and making it clear how they'll be better off and if you do the work and you and you really understand people's challenges properly, and then you recommend appropriate, valuable solutions, mm-hmm. then the sale will, will naturally happen. So we make sales every day just by showing people how they'll be better off and what sort of results they're likely to get.
0: Yeah, look, I had a really good Skype with a client who was asking me about doing SEO on a travel-related site, and he ended up saying, look, um, I want to give you our other site too. The other site was the Bigger, better you know, Groupon-type deal site. And then he said, and then once you've done that, um, maybe we can get you to look at our UK site as well. It's like I got three jobs out of the one just by um, the client feeling c- comfortable that I knew my stuff and could help them out.
1: Well, they're going to respect you when you're not carrying a club to the meeting and <laughs> no. bashing them around with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't. I had another client meeting the other day, and um, there's a middleman. She's a woman, but she's a, a PR PR person. It was one of her clients. He's a kind of a bit of a celebrity in the animal niche, and um, I I did notice during the call I was almost being devil's advocate, saying all the things that may not work, and we had to be careful of. Um, but it had the opposite effect of actually making them seem like I was almost not trying to sell them into a product, but just to educate them on what we needed to do to make sure it would work.
1: Well, sales has a heavy component of education in it. You help people understand their situation and how the solutions can help. That's good. And one sure way to have someone want to buy something is if they can't have it.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of my clients are actual physical businesses. Would you recommend physical business would be a good fit for Silver Circle, or would it be better if the business had an online component because that's kind of your thing?
1: Well, remember I was running physical businesses for the first 20 years, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. You know, I've had pretty good experience in a store and physical business with stock, and that's how I got such a deep understanding of I mean, I sold stock time and money and still had to deal with all the administration and rent and overheads and you know just all the usual stuff, logistical nightmares, geo-specific targeted marketing. So yep. it's okay for that. Uh, but certainly if they have an online component, that's where I've really focused lately and it seems to be that most people in Silver Circle have some kind of interest in online even if they're not fully an online business.
0: Yeah, look, in my business, I'm often helping a non-online business develop an online component of their business. So let's say they're a, um, a glass supplier. I might be helping them develop a e commerce glass audio shower online sort of thing that they don't currently have.
1: Yeah, look, in our silver circle, we've got videographers who go out and film videos and, and documentaries. Mm-hmm. We have swim coaches uh, we have a um, nutrition e-commerce store that has actual, you know, food shipments like s- real stock. Uh, so all the traditional business things uh, become important in those sort of environments. So, look, there's not really a business that wouldn't be useful unless it's like a government organisation or something where you just cannot do anything or you've got contracts that are locked out yeah. for years.
0: And I think that, look, any business with a website, which is should be all of them, Um, There's no business with a website that cannot benefit from targeted traffic, and that is basically James's thing.
1: Yeah, plus the conversions and the hiring and the training and all the other stuff.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, look, um, I'm glad that our uh, original rant turned into kind of a bit more of a mellow um, discussion about business in general, I guess.
1: Well, I think one of the common themes is, if we want to tie it back to customers from hell, is that it's... (laughs) pretty much a choice if you run your business right you don't have to deal with them and if you do want to deal with them it's a choice and you can use them to reset your bar
0: yeah and um when I've learned from James I've learned how to kind of better systematize my business and basically funnel the clients from hell into a different direction so that it's a bit more of a hands-off process I mean that um after the initial consultation period once we start the doing then it's much more uh, systematised.
1: Yeah, I think if you've got a clear system that that takes care of the customer, then they're not going to pop up their head all the time looking for severe customization or trying to zag when you're having them zig. You know, you can have good systems and processes without the person feeling like they are being processed.
0: Yeah, look, I think one of my um, the best things I do in my business that sets me apart from other businesses is awesome reporting, reporting. Um, video reporting, reporting that they can show to the board, ROI, all the rest of it. But it's also kind of like my downfall because sometimes clients feel like they understand a little bit too much what we're doing and then they think they can take it on themselves and then everything goes bad for
1: them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like to focus on the results rather than the mechanics of it where possible. So if you, if you take the analogy of a car, help them understand that you're... Able to drive them from here to there without having to explain spark plugs and petrol and brake. Yeah,
0: and teaching them how to change their own spark plugs. Yeah, they
1: don't have to do that. Yeah. If you, you know, like the limo driver, he's more interested in making sure you've got a bottle of water, something nice to read, and he doesn't talk to you for the next hour. Yeah. <laughs> drive with the air conditioning off to save fuel.
0: Yep. Hey, um, it's been awesome chatting to you tonight, James. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks,
1: Barb. It's great to catch up always, and I'll be speaking to you very soon on the next call.
0: So tell everybody your websites where they can find you, the things that we've talked about, Silver Circle, Fast Web Formula, and the membership sites.
1: Well, okay. Well, I would start at superfastbusiness.com, and if you need some kind of help, then there's a products page there, and that should guide you to the correct site. In fact, tell me that you... Heard about me through the Barbara Griffin podcast <laughs> and uh, I'll know that you must be cool.
0: Awesome. Thanks, James.
1: Okay, you bye-bye. Rock.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Business Marketing Agency podcast with Barbara Griffin. For any questions, feedback, or just to keep in touch, email me, info at the businessmarketingagency.com.